0: Hi there, I'm David Harvey, and I'm here with John Andrews, and this is the Two Texts Podcast. In this podcast, we're two friends in two different countries, here with you every two weeks talking about two different texts from the Bible. In this season, as we enter our second year of podcasting together, we step beyond the stories of Jesus and the Gospels and into the book of Acts. The Book of Acts is a series of stories and events from the early church when they encounter the disrupting presence of the Holy Spirit. Hey, so David, we
1: are still in Peter's sermon. I mean, this is his sermon itself is relatively short, but our conversation around his sermon is turning into like a marathon.
0: So, If you ever watch a film that Peter Jackson you know the Lord of the Rings director yes. it always seems to just get longer and longer and longer. It but, did. But doesn't it
1: show you that at one level we can read listen to the sermon of Peter and sort of just get it so there's a level on the surface that you go oh yeah, yeah, and I hear what he's saying. There's a simplicity to that sermon that at some level Even if you don't know any of the background stuff that we're talking about, it just works. But my goodness, if we're prepared to stop a little bit, uh, lean in and maybe see some of the gorgeous texture of this sermon and how how clever it is and how Mm. brilliant it is. And last time we reflected on his first quote from the Tanakh, which was, the the quote from Joel, and oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. wasn't that just gorgeous in terms of that whole restorative conversation, and this is that, and what that sort of means to us. So, so we're going to try in this podcast and look at the other Tanakh references, and we're going to try and land those. Yeah, I love the use of try. <laughs> try, yes. I'm... I'm, I'm not making any promises to anybody about anything. So shall we have no. a, a little lean into this? Because Peter quotes Joel, that's his main prophetic quote, and then he yeah. quotes the Psalms. But interestingly, isn't it, I, I, I noticed in the reading of, of Peter's sermon, he refers to David not only as king, mm-hmm. but as a patriarch and as a prophet. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that he is interpreting sections of the Psalms, which we, which would in a Jewish Bible, Hebrew Bible sit comfortably in the writings. Mm -hmm. And yet he's seeing these Psalms as dynamically prophetic. And he even labels Peter, David as a prophet. So that's, that's a, it seems to be that's a new introduction to his, an understanding, at least, at least from this new church community, Jesus has alluded to that perhaps, but explicitly David calls David a prophet. So so shall we have a little look at those references and see what we can
0: dig in? Absolutely. And, and I think I, I mean, this is the sort of when you're doing a little work from memory. So, but... I think this is quite unique to Luke. Like David is clearly a huge character in Scripture, but the way that Luke introduces us to this 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 connection of of, of David and Jesus is is something that he has. Really interestingly pushed very heavily. I know Matthew mm. makes those allusions and clearly does mm. those things, but Luke, I think, really takes this idea and 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 wants us to see it. Ensures that we see all the right quotes relating to that. So, mm. so you this idea of of Jesus as 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 the as the real true God of Israel and leader of Israel. Because I can't help but think about you know, all of the critique of David that's present in scripture. He is mm-hmm. this beloved king, but there's a lot of critique of David. And that's then right. even deeper than that, you've even got Samuel's critique of kingship. Right? Mm-hmm. And so this narrative, and I think it's always worth reminding us of that, isn't it? The, the narrative is that God never wanted a king for Israel because he Indeed. was Israel's king. Indeed. And so all kings, even the great King David, are problematic that's the Bible's commentary on them. Even the great King David is problematic because he is not God. So, this notion, I think, for Luke to say the true king of Israel is back. And with a connection to David, but also being God himself, I think is is, is beautiful symmetry in terms Absolutely. of, again, we alluded to it in the Joel conversation, the shalom, the wholeness, the bringing back together of the brokenness. Mm-hmm. And a brokenness that doesn't often get talked about is Israel's breaking from God as their king. We, yeah. we, we'll, we'll actually have a human king and we'll put God in a temple. Um, yes. And that was an axe is God breaking out of the temple and Jesus being the king. I, we've not even read the text yet, but I feel like there's a lot of depth in that, isn't there? Oh, yeah.
1: oh for sure. <laughs> it's massive. It's a massive idea. And I think you've summarised that beautifully. I think they are the ongoing redemptive tensions. I, I I, I think we see God redeeming two ideas in Jesus that weren't originally his idea. Mm-hmm. So kinship was not, I don't think, I think if you read the text carefully, I don't think kinship was God's idea. You're absolutely right. No. But yet he redeems it in that Jesus mm. is the ultimate son of David, who takes the throne, as it were, yes. and becomes the king. And of course, the temple, Jesus, of course, becomes the ultimate fulfillment of the temple and relocates the temple away from a place and to a people. But of course, primarily, primarily rooted in him himself. So so you get these, these gorgeous ideas, the two ideas that maybe the Lord really didn't initiate, but yet he blesses. And then because they go wrong over the passage of time, he redeems. And, and mm-hmm. how does he redeem them in, in Christ Jesus? It's just brilliant. It, I mean, it really is stunning. And as you say, if, if we keep that in the back of our mind as we're leaning into these lovely quotes in the Psalms, uh, it does help yeah. that that
0: conversation. Shall, shall I, do you want me to read this bit of Acts then? Go for or it. Acts? Go for it, please. Um, uh, I'm going to read from verse 24, not because it's part of the psalm, but just because we should read this stuff regularly. <laughs> says, yes, uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 24, But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. <laughs> wow. It's <laughs> a great, cool. great line. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And then Peter continues, fellow Israelites, I may say to you in confidently, of our ancestor David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on his throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying, he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption." Um, and we just hold that there and we can kind of jump back and forward in between them. But I think it's helpful just to hear Peter's kind of intro and exit from the from that absolutely. quote, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally is, totally is. And, and isn't it interesting? It,
1: there's a sense in which, David, to contrast our last little conversation on Joel, where Peter quotes the Old Testament and simply says, this is that, mm-hmm. and doesn't seem to explain any part of that prophecy. Just yeah. like literally goes, okay, this is that, and just accept it. Yeah. Whereas when he's quoting the Psalms, there seems to be a much more careful yeah. quoting of those Psalms, uh, and and an explanation here, a bit more, a bit more understanding going on in the context of the text, and 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 explaining that. Do you, do you think that's fair in terms of he seems to be using Old Testament prophetic words. And and interpreting it in a slightly
0: different way, and I think you even see when Peter quotes this psalm and. And and actually, I mean, his explanation is quite cutting. If you if you look mm. at it, it it reminds me of Jesus's conversation with the crowd in John chapter six when Jesus says, "Yeah, yes, the patriarchs ate bread in the desert, but then they all died." Mm. Here, bear in mind, he's led into this psalm with it was impossible for Jesus to be held by the power of death. He then says, "You know, oh, David died and he was buried, and, and almost, if you'll forgive me, and there's his tomb over there." So. Yeah. We know he's dead. So you get this this superseding of David with Jesus. And I think it seems to me that Peter wants to make sure I'm going after the George Washington or Abraham Lincoln of our history here mm-hmm. with a suggestion that this guy that was killed is a replacement of them. And, and that's I think he needs to make sure that that's understood. I think that based on what we said in the last episode, the this is that for Joel, I think Peter obviously thinks, well, this text it's actually self-explanatory. This one, it feels like he he needs to make sure that what we're doing, Jesus is not simply a descendant of David. That no. Actually, he's doing something. That, that's how I kind of lean into that, John.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, and I think it seems to me, David, that he's using this, not simply to affirm the resurrection but mm. to affirm the messiahship of Jesus mm. isn't it because it, and there's a sense in which whether those pilgrims the pilgrims at Chovaot want to believe that Jesus is risen from the dead or not at this stage mm-hmm. there there is a there's a body of opinion out there there's a an eyewitness group that sort of is out there that said actually we we do believe Jesus is risen from the dead because we've seen him So Peter isn't using Psalm 16 to sort of say, okay, let let me give you the theological basis for the resurrection. Although he clearly makes the point, David is dead, his tomb's over there, but Jesus is alive. But he seems to be using that Psalm in the context of resurrection to really emphasize and therefore... This establishes the idea that Jesus is the Messiah. That, that, that he's he's using Psalm 16 as a messianic interpretation, not mm-hmm. just as a connector to the resurrection when he when he speaks of that. And and you, you get this sort of lovely idea within that that although he hasn't allowed the Holy One to see this corruption. It begins by saying, I saw the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand and I will not be shaken. So you you get this sort of sense of the Lordship, the Messiahship, the preeminence of Jesus Mm -hmm. over David, not just the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. And and Psalm 16 seems to be being used in that way. It, is that a fair comment,
0: do you think, in terms of how he's using that, Psalm? Well, I think actually, and, and and listen, this is where one of my favourite phrases that you have used and taught me, I don't know if intentionally or not, but I've stolen it from you over the years, is don't hear what I'm not saying here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but actually, the proof of what you're saying is in the way he he double quotes at verse 27 of Acts chapter 2. So in verse 27 of Acts chapter 2 he quotes Psalm 16. He says for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your holy one experience corruption, right? That's that's a direct quote from the Greek text of of the Old Testament, which is what Peter is clearly using. It's, and we know that actually yes. to go back to if we go back to Joel 2 he, yep. we know he's. You can compare. He's definitely quoting the Septuagint, the Greek yeah. text there. Yeah, the Septuagint, right? So, what's interesting then when he comes back in verse thirty one, he says, For seeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying," and now he requotes that that verse, that verse ten of Psalm yes. sixteen again. But this time, he doesn't quote it directly. He paraphrases it, and notice that he drops out the the personal language, right? So, because in the psalm, it's David saying, he will not let me be abandoned to Hades. Yeah. Now Peter says, oh no, this is about the Messiah. And he paraphrases it to make his point. He was not abandoned to, to, to Hades, nor his flesh experienced corruption. So, It's quite an interesting, it's very subtle, and you almost don't see it if you're too Mm. quick, that the second time round, he he actually puts it as a quote, not as a quote from Scripture, which Mm. I think gives us a direct insight into exactly what Peter is doing with this text, is saying Mm. this text that David was speaking about himself actually prophetically, even unknown to David, which I, I think the Old Testament's always open to the fact that the prophet is not always fully aware of the impact Indeed. of the prophecy. Peter now takes that and says, here's where that text is actually mm. applying to. So I think, I mean, I think that defends your point that you're mm. making again, on another level, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, absolutely. And and again, doesn't Peter sort of emphasise that by referring to David as a prophet? So
0: Yes, exactly. So
1: how you know, and again, aren't we helped sometimes? We've 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 done this before. Where sometimes the way the New Testament writers and thinkers interpret a text helps us to read that text differently. So, yeah. if you were reading Psalm sixteen in its ordinary context, your mm. your conclusion of that might not incorporate the Day of Pentecost and and also the sort of the connection to the resurrection of jesus but it's it's peter probably helped by jesus in those 40 days of download between resurrection and ascension i i would be shocked if jesus hasn't guided them through some of these amazing passages and so now peter would have seen david as a king before mm-hmm. but now he's seen him as a prophet he's seen he's seen these this language as prophetic language pointing forward to the messiah so it's a it's a wonderful way of seeing that, and that might lend weight into how we read other writings of David and give us confidence around understanding that though David may have had certain contexts in mind, there may be prophetic understanding and how we read other writings of David in, in regard to the Messiah and and of course he does quote another psalm of David in the context mm-hmm. of that
0: I I don't disagree with anything you're saying so what I'm about to say is not me contradicting anything you've no, said no, you but go ahead. I also like to think maybe it's because I, I like the mystical nature of how God actually works and we want to so I agree with you I think Jesus is clearly going to be teaching the disciples between his resurrection and ascension but mm. w- it also comes to mind John 14:26 The Holy Spirit whom my Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of yes. everything that I have said to you. So, like, and please, listeners, this is not John and I having a fight. <laughs> I, I think, I, I totally think that Jesus is clearly doing some teaching work in that space between. But I also love the potential notion, if we listen to John's testimony for a moment, that one of the things the Holy Spirit does is remind us of stuff that Jesus has said. So there's a part of me kind of, and I'm just saying this kind of goofily, but I think there's a serious point in it, that also perhaps this sermon is Is Peter having this moment of realizing, oh, Jesus talked to us about this for three years and now it's all of a sudden made sense. The Holy Spirit's brought it all back to him. So, Mm. uh, you you know what I'm saying? I'm not contradicting what you're saying here, but I I feel like there's something just worth in the imaginative thinking. Are we actually seeing the Holy Spirit doing exactly what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do? Of course. Of course. Um, so was the sermons where the disciples just stared blankly at Jesus and were like, I yes. have no idea what you're talking about here, Jesus. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I would totally agree with that. Absolutely. And and that sense of direct personal revelation from the Holy Spirit, we we have to believe that that's all part of the equation mm-hmm. within that. And 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 Peter, by the power of the Spirit, is reminded of these wonderful words of Jesus, however they came to him. And this dot has now, Powerfully connected for him, so so he's seeing David as a prophet and these words as prophetic. So be powerful, really, absolutely.
0: I'm working my way through an introductory book about uh, Karl Barth's Church Dogmatics at the minute, called Church Dogmatics for Everyone, and he has this this beautiful phrase which came to me just as you were saying that just there, and he he basically says that that what what God is doing in the world is revealing himself to us. Mm. Who is being revealed is God. The what of that revelation is Jesus. So Jesus Mm. is the full revelation of, of God. And um, which is, I mean, that's Hebrews. That's, we see that that's not a, it's not a controversial point when you think about it, but Bart would make the point to remind us that, that Jesus has been revealed to us. So this is what we know of God is Jesus. He is the, he is the perfect revelation. But then, so, so, so the the who is God, the Father, the the what is is God, God the Son, and then He says this, which I love: the how is the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. And uh, so, so those of us in the modern period who have never met Jesus in the flesh, how can we pertain to know God? And will we do it by the Holy Spirit? That the yes. Holy Spirit comes to us and reveals to us that the Man Jesus was in fact the true revelation of God. And so, there is this beautiful. Trinitarian harmony that, that I, I'm suggesting is going on exactly here. That, that mm. Peter is coming along and he's basically saying that the spirit is now revealing to them and you know, showing them, piecing all the pieces. So I, so I love this idea of, of the spirit as the Trinitarian part of God that helps us with the how. <laughs> you know, yes. the, how am I going to make You're sense th- of any of this? Well, that's what the spirit's mm. doing. And Peter's sermon, I would say, is a pneumatological, a, a spiritual, spirit-inspired explaining of how god's doing this to us Uh,
1: yes absolutely it it totally is it totally is and uh, and again it's it's doesn't it show you that there's more going on here so again it Mm -hmm. a a, a one simple reading it's like it's like peter originally stands up to sort of defend what is happening this is that Mm -hmm. but then Mm -hmm. it it moves from an explanation of the outpouring of the spirit and again, locating the work and power of the spirit to the person of Jesus. And this mm-hmm. is all about ultimately getting, getting Jesus and an understanding that Jesus is God's Messiah. He has yeah. died. He has been raised from the dead. And then this gorgeous climactic quote within. Which, which really brings Peter to his appeal, doesn't it? He, he quotes Psalm 110 on the mm. back of, he says beautifully there, verse 32, God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. So that's that eyewitness account. Exalted to the right hand of God. I love that little illusion there. If you know the ex-text mm. of Stephen, who, while, while being executed, sees Jesus standing at the right hand mm. of the Father, the beautiful... Allusion there and it says He has received from the Father The promised Holy Spirit And has poured out what you now see in here So there's a beautiful top and tailing of this sermon He starts with Joel This is that And then he explains Oh but this that you're seeing Is actually as a result of Jesus dying Rising from the dead Being exalted Receiving the promise from the Father And now pouring that promise out on us So even this dynamic Pneumatological experience is, is completely wrapped up in the person of Jesus. That it, Peter is suggesting, Exodus, because of the exalted authority of Jesus, having raised from the dead and exalted to the right hand of the Father, that we are now experiencing this beautiful experience. So even the work of the Spirit, we cannot divorce the work of the Spirit from the person of Jesus. They are, they are inextricably linked. And then he quotes this beautiful quote from Psalm 110 that Jesus, of course, himself has already quoted and baffled his opponents with earlier on in the Gospels. <laughs> the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And then, of course, Peter goes, therefore, therefore, and, and I love this, let all Israel be assured of this. Mm-hmm. God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and uh, Messiah. So, in that final quote, there's, there's, it's almost the authority of Messiah that is being reaffirmed there, David. And it's on the basis of that that Peter makes his appeal to his Jewish audience. Mm-hmm. Is, is that fair as a as a summary? Oh,
0: I, I love it. And I was even just thinking, I was just flicking back and forward, but it just as I read that, it just struck me for a moment. Therefore, let let all. The house of Israel, no. And I just immediately was drawn back to the beginning of chapter two, where mm. where Peter makes the point that they were all together in one place. And suddenly yes. from heaven, there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind and it filled the whole. Now, the word is whole there, not all, but the whole house. But it just, I just thought, oh, isn't it interesting that we've got yeah. the, the spirit filling the whole house and now Peter saying, let all the house know that, that that god is doing this i it's it it just it distracted me for a moment there I no, thought, oh, that's okay. kind of that's kind of okay. neat but but yes no i i i completely agree with you on on what's on what's happening uh, on what's happening there and i think I, I think it's a beautiful way to make sense of why peter is bouncing through the text that he is bouncing mm-hmm. through
1: mm-hmm. yeah Be, because that this idea that it's that the, the the experience of the Spirit is happening because Jesus has risen, Jesus mm. is exalted, and Jesus, therefore, has authority as mm. Messiah to send this Holy Spirit to us. So I, yes. I love the way he's connecting the pneumatological reality to this Christological reality. And that's all part of an eschatological reality. Sorry, so it's so all a bit of. So you get this Jesus. <laughs> understanding that is inextricably mm-hmm. linked to this outpouring of the spirit which has this this sort of king impact of of creating a community that is mm-hmm. built on the revelation of jesus as messiah yes. and empowered by the spirit that that messiah has had the authority to send yes and yes. and i think that is a real i think i think He's not, just, he's not just grabbing random text that sort of, oh, well, yeah, that sort of leans in. But it seems that he's establishing the authority of the Messiah through the words of David. He's establishing the credibility of the Messiah. He's establishing Jesus once and for all, not only as the one who died and rose, but now he's the one sending this spirit to us as part of his ongoing mandate, eschatologically, if you like, in the kingdom of God to to save and change the world. And and that all links together so beautifully with the earlier parts of Acts and, and even some of the gospels.
0: So see, so what's happening here, John is you are forcing me back into more Karl Bart, right? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but he says he says this because I and he's doing interpretive work for us here, which I think is important. Bart says this the the proper focus in theology stays true to God's self-revealing. Yeah. The whole history of God has been and continues as an event which encounters humans. So God, mm-hmm. so he's saying basically God is, God is coming towards us and he's revealing himself in that process, right? So then he says this, and, and I love this, John, and it's such a warning to me as an individual, to me as a pastor, and I think to all churches. He says, Bart says this, and I think this is what Peter's doing here, which is why I'll bring it up just now. The crucial task for... Humanity has been to determine whether to have a religion based in revelation, right? Mm -hmm. So essentially God reveals something to us and we then build our structures and practices off the back of that, or... We could choose, he says, a revelation of religion, which is basically where right. we humans decide to structure a religion and try and fit God into it. He says one attends to God's self-giving, as in God's grace, and the other forms of pious living. <laughs> so, yeah. so we've got one which basically makes us feel really holy and one which actually makes us reliant on God's grace. And he says this, the key methodological commitment for proper theology is to keep revelation prior to religion and never to reverse the order. Right? Wow. And and I think that actually works right now. I think that's Bart reflecting theologically on something that I think Peter is doing here. God yeah. has revealed himself to us in Christ. And yeah. and therefore we're gonna make sure that Everything else comes second to that. Jesus is Lord first. And whatever we do must be based on that revelation. And I think that's what Peter's doing here is even now trying to reread the Old Testament to say, nope, this also is a revelation of Jesus. I might suggest not as a spoiler for future episodes. And at the pace we're going, it's gonna be months. So people (laughs) have forgotten it by the time we get there anyway. But But I would suggest that what you see happening in the, in a lot of acts, and I think it's fascinating that Luke doesn't hide this from us, is you see a lot of acts trying to reverse that order. You know, yes. well we don't like what these, these disciples are doing. How do we mm-hmm. how do we stop that happening? Oh, even the church itself sometimes going oh, I'm not sure if the Holy Spirit wants to go over there. And I think what I like about Bart's interpretation of Scripture in this is that Scripture's calling us always to keep the revelation of the Holy Spirit primary. That He is going to guide and shape things. And and that's that's actually then proper theology. And even in our Pentecostal history, there's been a temptation sometimes to go, well, let's develop our theology and see if the revelation of God in the Holy Spirit fits to that. What we see in Acts is everything will be subservient to the revelation of Jesus, the resurrected and crucified one. And I, I think methodologically for us as Christians, Peter is showing us something even it's profound in what he says but it's profound in what he does for us yes. as well
1: yes absolutely beautiful absolutely beautiful and and i think that is a gorgeous idea on which to land this podcast that actually mm. though peter seems to be explaining the holy spirit he is ultimately absolutely mm. establishing the 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 person of jesus mm. and the work of jesus through the spirit mm-hmm. And the continuation of the work of Jesus through the Spirit to this new ecclesia, this new community. And and if we will grasp that, then that I think that gives us the opportunity to go forward with a Jesus-centered and spirit-empowered community to touch mm. and reach our world. So so beautiful, absolutely gorgeous.
0: And of course, the response to a sermon like this is what should we <laughs> do
1: (laughs) absolutely and
0: john and i are not going to promise we're going to be able to answer that question in one podcast podcast. (laughs) but come back next time where we at least try (laughs) we will we will we'll have a go at that absolutely (laughs) bless you all well that's it for today thank you so much for listening and we hope that you enjoyed it If you want to get in touch with either of us about something we said, you can reach out to us on podcast at twotext.com or by liking and following the Two Text Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you really did enjoy the episode, then we'd love it if you left a review or a comment where you're listening from. And if you really enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend? don't forget that you can listen to all of our podcasts from this season and others at www2 But that is it for now. So until next time, goodbye.